morning. I knew it was coming too. I stopped talking. <laughs> Good morning. Welcome to your daily game phase. I'm Dr. Kim Lannon, and I'm here with my lovely producer, yeah. Lou Velazzi. How are you? I'm good. Well, sure, I'm good on air. Yeah, I was gonna say. I want to <laughs> hear. I want to hear the ear, off the air story. I want to hear the off the air story you said you were gonna say. <laughs> yes, it will not be an on the air story. Okay. It will be off the air story. Yeah, that's fair enough. But I guess. we were just talking about how your dog was bugging you yesterday. Oh, he's just, he's, um, he gets overstimulated quite easily. Just like people. And I had my kids over and he's, so he's all right with my daughter now. He's made peace with my daughter, but my son and my future son-in-law, he has issues with, so he just wore himself so out. So it's just barking. particular people. Oh, well, just, and it's territory, you know, you know how it goes with animals. Yeah. At the house, he's barking his brains out at them and wants to go at them. And But we took a walk down the beach and on the walk on the beach, he's sitting next to him and going, pet me, pet me. You know, so, just yeah. it was away from the house. He's fine. <laughs> At the house, forget it. Oh, well, you know, all the problems in the world, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he's like 98% of the time, he's the sweetest dog. What kind of dog is he? He's an Australian Shepherd. Oh, that's right. I knew that. Yeah. I did know that we talked about him hurting him hurting things. Oh, God, yeah. He's, yes, he he's, has to herd. He's um, psycho like every Australian Shepherd. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought we would talk today about a couple things. As usual. Yes. Um, the first thing is I just wanted to remind people that um, uh, that the Boston Marathon that is not happening in person is still happening virtually in about a month, like five and a half, six weeks. Yep. Um, certainly I'm, I'm plugging it for myself because I am running it. And Have you chosen chose your route? Virtual piece. What? Have you chosen your route? I have not done that yet. So it's interesting because I, so we have between September 7th, and the 14th to choose our own route, run it, and, yep. and produce the time. Um, but because I'm running for the charity for the New England Patriots Foundation um, and Myra Craft Foundation for that, um, the Patriots are, are trying to put together the, um, the a marathon route for us if we want to run it in, in and out of Gillette Stadium. Oh, so, nice. And there's supposed to be a game that weekend, but clearly we know there's not going to be a game that weekend, probably. And given that like what, what weekend is the this? Patriots, um, the fourteenth of um, September. September. Oh, the big game. NFL's going to play. Uh, well, no one's going to be there. Half of our team just yeah. quit yesterday. Uh, well, yeah. temporarily. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, a little Dante Hightower. Goodbye yeah. for a little while. This you is know. the NFL. The NFL doesn't give a crap. The NFL yeah, just I, keeps I, well, going. Well, you know, but yeah, but the players do. I know. No, I understand. So, yeah. um, so, so that weekend. So sometime that weekend they're trying to put it together so i'm i'm of the mind that um because i have more control of this situation where i'm not just running april um the marathon is always on marathon monday you have right. to run it no matter what i'm of the mind to get closer to the date and try to pick the best weather day there <laughs> the you one go. that's not 90 degrees yeah empower yourself raining. Yeah. yeah so you know i'm trying to uh commit to whether or not um, I'll do that, and I've said I would do it in the stadium, but I'm also thinking, well, I could, I can still do it somewhere else and, yeah. and come. So I'm very weather well, dependent on this one because you know September here in New England yeah. can be freezing or it can be bloody hot. What could be better than 20 miles on Route One and six times around the parking lot? <laughs> <laughs> what could exactly. be better? <laughs> exactly. Especially well, they in did September. the first Gillette Marathon a couple, like a year or two ago. Dave McGilvery, the you know, put on. The, um, There's the, a Gillette Marathon. Well, yeah, I don't remember if it was called the Gillette Marathon, but it was. It was like they did the one in the Fenway Park. 
they did the marathon Fenway Park. So Dave McGilvery and um, Dempsey DMSE Sports um, mm-hmm. did put it on, and you know they ha- it was great. And I didn't do it, but I know a whole bunch of people that did. Yeah. And um, they ran around the inside of the oh, of, really of the, yeah of the stadium and at Fenway they just ran around. Oh God, you that know, sounds so hard. I, I think it would be hard. So <laughs> yeah. so I don't know if the actual marathon that they're gonna you know put on for the virtual one for us if we did it as a team you know who came in you know there's 16 of us on the team I believe. Do you happen to know how many? Because I'm curious now because this how many what? drive me nuts. How many laps of the uh, Fenway Park warning track is 26 miles? I don't know that. I used to know that because yeah. when it first happened I noted in my head and then it kind of just went flying out of my head many how's that many i can find out four figures um is it a thousand laps i don't know probably i mean imagine right 26.2 miles yeah and i don't know how big that baseball field is or how Uh, big the the warning track is like the actual yeah you know i know that when we do the gillette 5k and the 10k you come in and you run you run into the stadium. You run all the way up all the ramps, and you run around. Oh, that the, that sounds like it's fun. It's really cool, actually, yeah. um, especially coming down because you gain speed. Yeah. Um, and then you come in through the um, over the fifty yard lines from the back where you know the Patriots come in. So. Yeah. I would imagine um, there would be some of that, but I'm not really sure yet. So, but yeah. I was just saying though. I'm gonna that, look it up you know, here. Six weeks out. What? I'm gonna see if I can look it up here. Okay. So like six weeks out and. And I know there's a whole bunch of people out there looking to do the same thing and, and planning their routes and stuff. And so certainly there's plenty of routes. I have been giving the suggestion for people because of the competitive nature that you can still, you know, gain a Boston qualifier for next for not next year, but the year after is find a route that's flat and fast. Don't add in hills when you don't need to. Don't add in obstacles when you don't right. need to. At, you know, make it to your best ability. Yeah. You know, um, there are people that are talking about running on the actual Boston Marathon route. I'm cautioning people about that just because obviously there's a set week of this happening, and certainly no towns are closing down for it. Nobody, you know, it's not an official marathon day. Um, so, you know, I'm saying, you know, don't push the envelope on that. You know, don't hurt hurt it for yourself or others by going out like they asked us all not to run on the route yeah. for april um and tons of people were going to and then we all were asked not to so yeah i would try to f- uh, find an alternative route to make sure that you um have that all planned out i just don't know which one i'm running yet i do have a couple things in mind um the bay state marathon route which is also happening this fall virtually mm-hmm. um i'm this one of the sponsorship directors for that um that's also a great route to run for people. It's nice and flat and fast, and it goes through you know Lowell, Chelmsford, Tingsboro, and comes back through. And it's a two two loopy um, time, thirteen and thirteen. So it, it's over quickly, nice yeah. and flat, right over the river, right over you know the Tingsboro Bridge. It's beautiful, um, and usually. You know, you get a good time on that. So I'm just saying, don't add in hills when you don't need to. That's one of the concerns that I have. Besides the weather, Lou, yeah, is that that's fine, yeah. you know, psychologically, when you start adding in hills and you haven't been training on the course, you know, it's eh, it's a little bit different. So you know, Gillette Stadium, that area, you wouldn't think that has any real hills around it. It's actually kind of hilly back there. And if you take, if you've ever gone into a game and you've come in the back way and you have like some of the little areas that are a mile or two out and surrounding that people walk in from. There's some pretty good rolling hills back yeah. there. So I'm of the mind to think if it's going to be in the stadium yeah. and it's flat and running in a circle, well, maybe, yeah. you know, um, and it's it's a great thing to do for, you know, your charity and your cause that you're doing if you're doing it. But I don't know if any of the other charity teams are doing it that way. I know that people are sort of yeah. on their own to run. I have a friend that's running in Tewksbury, where I'm from. Yeah. Um, and he's, I'm his, his, I think I said a few weeks ago, I'm his, um, 
I'm his scream tunnel, so I'm his his Wellesley College stop. So oh, I see. I'll have a you know I'll put out a little um, water table and you know get some people to you know stand along the road and scream for him and hold the signs up that say you know oh, yeah. that's kind of all women yeah. you know because it's all women saying you know kiss yep. me and I'll hug you and but no social we have to socially distance oh, yeah. be none of that yep it will just be the signs yep. <laughs> what a sure world what a world across the board here right what a world we live in i know right according to this it's 112 laps around fenway's warning track which doesn't seem right to me but i'll go with well, it so that would mean so how so what's each lap is 350 meters oh so 112 laps wow i don't know if that adds up to 26 miles or not i don't yeah I'm, i don't convert in my head like that i'd have to do it on the I'd have to do the computer. Yeah. So. A six-hour cutoff. That sounds right. right? Yes. It's, well, yep. six-hour cutoff is always the cutoff for Boston. I would have lost that bet. I would have, I would have yeah, lost that up, guess. I would have gone up that high, too, yeah. so, because of just – but um, but anyway, so that was my that was my Boston Marathon okay. uh, plug for everybody that's out there. I know it's really close, and given that we're in the 90 degrees and 100 degrees right now and training in it, and this yeah. past weekend it was really – a lot of hot weather training and i was up north and 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 the mountains and it was still really hot yeah it was super hot it, it was, was brutal like over the weekend yeah so and i was training on the mountains and it was whew, yeah. yeah it was i definitely lost some water weight on that one you should um, train so, at night <laughs> yeah true or, or well i usually go early in the morning oh yeah you know when you're sort of up being leisurely yes noontime hits in <laughs> <laughs> New time hits. It's like, oh, I haven't done my run today, so yeah. um, or hike. Uh, anyway, uh, so I also thought that we would discuss today, given that we were discussing better life and bettering our lives, and we always talk about like eating and exercise, and then it it sort of dawned on me, not really dawned on me, but it sort of came to my mind that people don't talk enough about how much sleep yeah. impacts. They take it for granted. I know. And and sleep is such a um, cure-all for so many things. You know, there's something to be said for someone saying sleep on it. Yep. Um, there's a reason. There's so many reasons. There's just the straightforward reason, the cliche reasons, and all the things we know kind of in general. But then there's actually just all the physiological, kinetic, neurological, connecting, emotional pieces yep. that have to do with you actually do better when you sleep. and And people just kind of so push it off to the side uh, like it's not a big deal but in fact it really is um and when you're under a lot of stress and you don't sleep <laughs> yeah it just exacerbates the stress and and people don't understand yeah. or they do understand but don't get the connection i should say that the connection gets lost between the more stressed you are the less sleep you get the more anxiety right. you get the next day the more sleep you lose the more anxiety it's just a perpetual vicious cycle so i'm amazed how people abuse their sleep patterns I yeah mean, it just, it's stunning and listen i'm not a good sleeper so i'm not coming from a place of i got this nailed yeah but i'm at least have some awareness and i just watch people go oh my god how can you how can you live like that you're just running yourself into a wall and and well so there's so much and there's so much good information out there on it but i think people just bypass it because it's not something that's always in your in your main street and people don't really talk about sleep they it, I mean, when's the last time you saw a commercial about sleep unless it was for something like right. Unisom, Ambien, Trazodone, going to all the side effects like we talked about yep. last week with, you know, and your nose will fall off and you'll bleed from your tush and, you'll, <laughs> you know, and you might yeah. get herpes. Yep. Um, uh, but uh, it's I think that sleep is just not talked about enough in terms of how protective a factor it is um, because, you know, we talk about exercise and yep. eating. When you have good sleep you're less likely to eat as much 
less likely to eat as much junk, less likely to crave the carb that creates the sugar in the body that really? makes you yeah. want to have more. And with better sleep, you also are more likely to have a better workout or better motivation to work out. And it, so they go all go together, but people don't put them together and right. have the awareness that that's like a separate thing. Like we go to the doctor, see them for, you know, high blood pressure, diabetes, yep. you know, cholesterol. And then, you know, by and large, when I ask my clients, you know, oh, how's your sleep? I get at least eight, eight out of 10 people say, oh, no one ever talks to me about my sleep. Yeah. Unless I bring it up and, and right. go to someone and say, and then immediately, you know what they do? They send them for a sleep study. And and it's, you know, over and over. And my, I'll say to my client, like, for, for what? Yeah. And they're like, oh, because I have a really hard time sleeping. And when I do, a, a, you know, a, a good intake on what the sleep pattern is and yeah. why and what, how long it's been going on, it's usually not because they need a sleep study. No. Certainly there, there are certain cases that do need sleep studies, right? But then there's reasons that are way easier to, to kind of see on a psychological sure. pattern yeah. and, and medical pattern that just fall out that say, you don't really need a sleep study for that. It's kind of common sense when you put it together. Um, you know, I, you know, there's people out there that I, you know, I have a couple of clients that have come to me over the years that they, they're not big exercisers. They're overweight. Mm -hmm. um, they go to the doctor. They get medicated for blah 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 blah. You know all yep. these different things, and then and then the next thing I know, they're off to the races and going to a sleep study. And and two of the cases I've had as in the past year have been they're going to go have a um, a CPAP machine, and I'm like, why? Yeah. Well, because you know they've gained some more weight and they haven't changed the diet. They right. haven't changed the eating, but no one's talking about that except us. You know. Yeah. And then. Because the sleep pattern's so off and they're so tired, you know, the, the fix is, well, we'll put you on a CPAP machine. And, and my fix is, how about we do some exercise and lose some weight, maybe yeah. so that you're not having so much pressure on your chest, which is closing your epiglottis, which is making you have your breathing stop. And, right. you know, and that goes into that whole thing of, oh, if I'm doing that, then I actually have to do work. Yeah. And, you know, a machine sounds so much easier, but why, why would you want to put that on yeah. you? It's the equivalent of the pill for ADD exactly. and stuff it's like, like oh, that. It's a yeah. fix for the problem fix, instead of, yeah. well, the real fix is, yeah. you know, if you're sleeping on your back and you're four, almost 350, 400 pounds and it's crushing your chest and it's closing off your airway, why yeah. wouldn't you? It's not a fix for the problem. It's a fix for the symptom. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And that's and that's the thing. So so sleep, or sleep would be, in those two cases of those clients, for me, I've been trying to encourage them to, you know, their sleep will get better when they change their diet a little bit, little baby steps again, yep. change their exercise to get their sleep better. So that's coming from the other side for sleep. But then for the majority of my patients and, and, and clientele is that the better the sleep can be, the better all those other things can be yeah. because they're on the other side of it, not having that issue. So having good sleep, um, you know, and, and people have this thing in their head because, you know, people write in all kinds of different things. You must have eight hours. You must have 10 hours. You must have six hours. And in, in many of the psychology journals and, and sleep psychology and, and just knowing physiology is that when you, you know, babies need tons of sleep, older people need less sleep, right? sort of in the middle of the road. It sort of depends on if you're a teenager or 20 something, 30 right. something, it's sort of in between the six and eight hour. Um, but it's really dependent on a case by case basis of like, what's your lifestyle like, you know, right. and, and you can't, you can always put a generalization of things like, oh, eight hours would be great. But you know, sometimes eight hours is way too much for some people, right. where six is perfect. And generally, length is less the problem than consistency, right? right? Consistency is the key. 
Consistency and quality of it. Yeah, yeah, you could have five good hours versus, you know, eight in and out hours, and it's way better for the person in general, and right. it gives them reparative, you know, stuff. I mean, when you sleep on something, you know, you have a problem today, and it's stressful, 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 and you are able to let it go, so to speak, and yeah. just lay on it and just go to sleep, the next day it always seems totally different. And stress and depression and anxiety, the two biggest the two biggest gains you can make is exercise and sleep. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's really that simple. Yes, yes. It, it can and, be a big combatant for all of that. that. Yeah. And well, I think people realize it, and then they, and unfortunately, the medication goes into play. It's like, well, I'll I won't exercise, but I'll take blah 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 pill to, and the, and you know, there's yep. there's big pharma that's come out with you know weight loss pills now yeah. and and things that handle depression with anxiety that also drop weight, and then the big pharma comes out with, and then we'll give you this to sleep. But the sleep medications that are being produced yeah. often have a side effect of making a person more hungry. Like so, oh, really? feeding yeah. literally, yeah. <laughs> feeding off of each other. Yep. And so instead of you know again going much more natural, much more holistic, you know your body knows how to heal itself. Getting into the pattern of if you just put the time and effort of just even five or ten minutes of of something exercise wise a day, or putting one less sugary item in your mouth right. to make you less likely to have a problem sleeping then you know you know people don't oh, i don't want to exercise it's it yeah. stresses me out okay well if you they feed each other both ways down right? and then right. you can sleep they feed each other both ways right. positively right. and negatively right yeah and so so um you know and the and patterns of sleep are are so important in terms of the consistency like you said because they reduce the amount of um stress hormone in the body that's that's created around the pancreas you know the cortisol levels cortisol, and yeah. allow you to not you know gain the weight that you would when you're stressed out you know people you know they have the tummies and people yep. you know i mean there's a reason why people get certain areas of weight on them you know and part of it is eating mm -hmm. but also it's that cortisol stress stress hormone dump out of the pancreas that's overdone because lack of sleep yep. in combination combination with poor eating and poor exercise so you know you know, and unfortunately, people are on then six medications because they're treating the symptom of each individual problem, which therein lies another problem is that, you know, that one medication is giving you insomnia, one medication is helping you with the insomnia, one's trying right. to help you not gain weight, while one's gaining weight. Yeah. And if people yeah. really look at their medication, it's, it's, it's very frustrating for people, especially when they realize. And, and as you know, I'm a straight shooter. I always point out people's medications and what's going on in them. So they're fully educated, not to say they shouldn't be on them or couldn't be on them or right. don't want to be on them, but more so that they have a full education going in because people are so um, not reluctant. People are not reluctant to take the, the, the script and walk away and say, I'll just take this right. and make it better. Yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm more for advocating for yourself to figure out, okay, do I really want to do this because the long-term effects down the road are what? Right. And how much do I need to not take? And how much, it's so much effort and people think it's quick fix, but it's, there's a lot right. of effort in that. And you, know, you start something in your twenties and now in your fifties and you've done that all those years, what has it done? You know, yeah. I have people on certain medications, um, you know, there, I mean, there's, there's, you know, prescription heroin essentially, which is like Suboxone, you know, it's like methadone Suboxone. Yep. The, the long-term effects of that, you know, you, you see a variety of writings on that in research, but, you know, talk about something that impacts your sleep and impacts your, your weight. You know, I mean, people who are on that drop weight, like just like, and you know, it's synthetic heroin. So, yep. so, and it changes your pattern of, um, 
of eating, it changes your pattern of sleep yeah. and gastrointestinal issues. And I have a couple clients that, you know, it's only made for people to be on really technically the original was like 16 to 24 days, you know, it was just oh, really? to help people. Get, yeah. yeah. So, you know, now I've got people that have been on it 16 years right. yeah. and, you know, it's harder to get off than actually heroin itself. And, and, and it's really painful to watch people try to get off of it because it's, it's a lot of work. Um, but it's a disruptor of all those things along the way. And, and people will, you know, met other medical people will probably disagree, but holistically, if you look at the body and you look how it acts and you look at research and you look at good anecdotal evidence, people struggle with their sleep and their gastrointestinal eating issues and their exercise patterns and their weight dropping it really, really thin. You know, they get that emaciated look, the really stringy look on that because it impacts all those right. systems in the brain, that limbic system, the emotional center that we were talking about weeks ago. That really impacts that. So, you know, whether you're doing something like Suboxone, Methadone, or you're doing something as simple simple as caffeine or sugar, oh, yeah, yeah. and how much stuff impacts your sleep, um, you know, bread. People, oh, how many how many know. times in your in your youth did you, you know you have, you know, a piece of toast before bed, yeah. or crackers and cheese, yeah. or kids get you know now they get. I know lots of little kids that are given goldfish and pretzels and. Like, so when you're going to sleep on that, it's generating a sugar push in the brain. Oh, it's generating a sugar yeah. push to the body. And when you're eating that stuff, there's no time for it to break down, you know. So there's other choices that are better, um, you know, and people immediately default to fruit, you know. Well, there's only certain types of fruit that you should be yeah. eating before you go to sleep because they have, you know, sugar. sugar. Yeah. Grapes have tons of sugar in them. You know, I wouldn't be giving my kids tons of grapes before they go to bed. You know, maybe a little slice of watermelon, water content, less sugar, because it's not changing the sleep pattern. Right. But you have to really, you have to want to know that stuff to really get into it and know that it it, it impacts your mental health and how you function yeah. in general. And you don't normally, how you don't normally have to get that deep, do you? Because oh, a, God, no. a, a lot of this is. Uh, a lot of this is prep for sleep, that time getting ready for sleep beforehand right. and getting in a, a space and right. you know, reducing all your stressors going forward. Screen time is important. And there is a quality routine to getting to sleep. Yes. Especially for people like me who are ruminators. And this is something that I had to beat, you know? Right. Because that time just laying in bed was deadly. It was just, you're just yes. spinning around in your head all the time. Right. Yeah. Well, so so the the ritual that a person should use loosely could mm -hmm. you know be nice to have is knowing that and and this starts in young 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 kids is making sure the bed itself doesn't become the activity center yeah. it's not the it's not the gaming center it's not the homework center it's not the eating center it's not, and I can't tell you how many kids over the years I've had that I've had to break that pattern with them yeah. and their parents about, and their own parents are doing the same thing that, sure. you know, the TV's in the room, yeah. they've got the, they've got four other things going on and the bed becomes central to that. Now, when you turn it off, can you sleep? Usually yeah. not because what happens? So then you add in what you're talking about. You add in the threat generator stuff. You add in the ruminations, you add in the worries, the concerns, and now you're laying in bed in the space with the exact same thing that keeps you stimulated all the time. Right. Now it has no different meaning than this is a place for sleep. So what I tend to tell people is take yourself out of the actual bed. Don't use the bed for anything but sleep. In other activities if you're an adult, but <laughs> that's a different show, yeah. right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, so, but if you use the bed itself for just sleep and then you can use the room as, as you know, the chair, the desk, or somewhere else, then it takes away from that that 
association that you gain over time that becomes yeah. the bed is just another it's just a place for you to worry yep it's it's where you're distracting so that's why people when they have tvs in their room and they keep them on all night and it goes and goes and goes and goes and goes yeah you know that's not a good sleep because why because it's keeping the brain constantly Stimulated. occupied yep. you know we talk about blue light we talk about all those things yes but in the actual psychological aspect of, you know, you're constantly hearing things, you're, you're going with the flow of what's on the television program, your, your sleep cycle all the way, you know, your first, second, third, fourth cycle in through REM back to stage one is getting truncated when we're supposed to be allowed to do it in a natural way because you're getting, you know, interruption of shows. I mean, how many people do you know that, you know, listen to like, you know, Dateline ID and all the murder mysteries yeah. while they're sleeping. I mean, that changes the psychology yeah. of you subconsciously in your mind while you're sleeping. It changes and truncates the pattern. Or if you hear, you know, you and and I have people on swing shift. You know, they do yep. the swing shifts at night. That's a whole nother piece of yeah. like trying to be able to have, you know, the bed itself and in the daytime become a place of non-activity because. Right. A person comes home at eight thirty in the morning from doing their nursing or their or their doctor um, round, and then the next thing you know, they don't go to bed till eleven in the morning. Right now, they've got daytime hours that they're used to that they have to convert. I mean, it's the same thing on the other side. It's very difficult to make it so the bed itself is only the sleep zone. Yeah, that would kill me. What third third shift would kill me? Yeah, I, it's I, hard. I, I couldn't make that adjustment. It's, it's super hard. I have a couple of clients that are... Stimulus for the brain is an interesting part of this because I have to, for me, and I don't know how it works for other people, for me, even silence is not really good for me. I'm a white noise guy right. or, you know, some kind of, you know, nature scene or beach sounds or something right. like that. I, if it there's nothing going on, my brain's just searching for stuff, right? Right, right. So, yeah. the, so there's nothing wrong with having the stimulation of a consistent, soothing sound. Mm -hmm. So whatever that is for you. Um, and, and there's actually great anecdotal evidence in my own personal practice and myself and also in research that would say that rain, yep. fall, white noise, um, just soothing sounds that you pick, soft music, whatever that Even is. Even the air conditioner can, the air can, conditioner, can do that something that's humming, yeah. Rhythm. It's yep. the rhythm. of and, and what it does is it actually stimulates the area of the brain, you know, in your circadian rhythm to get going. Um and it's the superchiasmatic nucleus what? area. What Isn't now? that a big word? Yeah. Right? So it, it gets the consistency of that going to regulate it, which is also if someone takes melatonin, that's actually what that does. Um, it does the same kind of regulation, but it doesn't work all the time after a while because you have to be able to have it consistent with something that you're not putting internal. Yeah. So having that sound is, is important. You don't have to sit in silence because it's actually deafening for some people right. to yeah. sit in the silence because they're so not used to it. Um, because the only thing worse for the brain than not having stimulus, having stimulus is not having, having stimulus. Because stimulus, right. then they and, go and search for things. And it's it, that's that all or nothing thing. Yep. Even in all the other things we talk about, going from all or nothing is really hard. Yep. So just finding somewhere in there that you can find something that will be de-stimulating and still keep your brain a little bit occupied and soothing. So yep. it's, it's about learning how to self-soothe. Now we go back to 
you know, growing up years. If you were to look at your childhood growing up and you ask your parents if you didn't remember, or if, you know, or, or you can pull on the fact that were you a good self-soother? Were you able to go to bed on your own? What, what age were you able yeah. to do that? Were you a good sleeper? Did you fall asleep on your own easily? Were you one of those kids that kept yourself up until 10, 10, 30, 11 because you didn't want to miss out on anything? Were there some, you know, were there some dynamics in the family that were loud and yeah. disruptive at night? I mean, you can sort of go back to your youth and figure out what really worked for you and what didn't and how your pattern has fallen out because of it and then see where you can change. I mean, that's when people come to me with sleep issues. Um, usually that's what we do. We go the course of, okay, when was it good? Yeah. When wasn't it good? Why wasn't it good? What was going around on around you at the time? How did it make you feel? And all, I mean, you know, the general psychology of it. But it, by and large, it's really about capturing where you can do your own self-soothing. And mm-hmm. people are... It, Sleep is such an externalized thing again because people think I sleep better with the TV on. I sleep better with music, and and I have clients that listen to like Metallica to go to sleep. And <laughs> okay, I'm like, well, wow, yeah. that's <laughs> yeah. I'm like that is not soothing, but yeah. to them it is, you know, because it's consistent. It's if you listen to Metallica, yeah. there is a consistent overall beat that I giggle because it's just yeah. not to me. Yeah. But um, you know, it's just that consistency of the rhythm that makes the person feel soothed. Now. You know, Freud would have a field day with that because the consistency in something like, you know, the heavy metal music, you know, you know, would lead us down the path that they were reproducing some kind of chaos that was in their household or some kind of dynamic where there was intensity at night. And then that helps them sleep because, you know, parents fighting or kinds of all kinds of like. Yeah, maybe it sounds to me like escape from rumination, though. Oh, absolutely. Something to something to take your mind off of what it would be what turning really, on. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's and that's what you're using anyway. So when you're always using a distractor, you know, when people are trying to switch a pattern, you know, it's very difficult to switch a pattern just cold turkey without something else to distract or replace. So you know whether you're using Metallica or Bach, yeah. sure, <laughs> or or bird sounds or flowers yeah. in the breeze. You're, you're doing a distractor, and the distractor in the brain helps you soothe it and calm it down from the thinking process that gets you stuck and then that negative reprodu- reproduction of the rumination or the threat generator right. that is already there. And, and many times people, I mean, you're very, you're very self-aware about this, but many times people don't realize how much threat generation they're doing in their sleep because it's one of the most consistent things that I have when people come in and say, I don't have, you know, I don't have good sleep, I don't have good sleep. And I say, what are you thinking about? The answer is always nothing yeah no and that's not true <laughs> and i was like nope that's not true and then no, like, yes, i challenge you that's true i'm like one oh, night but you are thinking one something. night keep a list you'd be surprised what comes up in your head and yeah. you know it's it's the whole we make uh we have light with make light of it with shower thoughts and things like that but in right. the shower and in bed the it's things the that thing. come into your head unbelievable Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. As soon as you lay down and you're and the shut off comes, you know, that's why people start struggling at night. It's you know, you know, Alzheimer's and dementia patients have what we call sundowning. I think that people in general with anxiety and sleep issues have a sundowning effect not in the same way as a cognitive impairment, but in the way that you have a sundowning effect that all of a sudden you're not working, you're not going to school, yeah. you're not having interaction socially, there's nothing going on there, and all of a sudden... Your external stimulus yourself. is diminished, right? Yeah. Right. So yeah. all of a sudden being with oneself... So the noise floor comes up. Right. Yeah. And so now you have to sit with it, you have to be with it, sit in silence, so to speak, and yeah. really be there. 
and to say that, you, that you're not thinking about anything is never accurate, right. you know. And that's the first step in helping yourself, you know, if you can take away anything today from sleep um, help is that knowing what is it that you're thinking about. More often than not, it's a, it's a racing thought pattern. It's it's a jump, you know. Right. Um, you know, what am I going to do tomorrow? What's right. going to happen next week? What about this? What about that? You know, and and then there are cases, obviously, in probably 50% of the time where we can really specify a worry. But you know how life is. Life changes right. every day. So, you know, you could have a couple of days in a row where there's nothing, but it's just general. And then all of a sudden, oh, I've got, you know, this big bill I have to pay or this big interview. And that becomes the, the source of, of anxiety. Um, but that still jumps out to all those different things of, like, if I don't get the job and they don't make the raise and if I don't get the extra money and then yep. I can't move and... Um, but it's really about looking at yourself in taking that one tip of what is it that you're thinking about and worrying about? And people don't like to admit that they're worried. They're just they're just there. They're just laying there. Yeah. Nothing's really wrong, you know, and, and that's not true. There's so but many the things to worry about. The problem is 10 minutes before they hit the bedroom, right. they were worrying about the thing that gets their mind stimulated. It's just yes. one threat brings up the noise floor and threat generation. Yes. You know, all over the board. Right. And then it, and then it's off to the races because yep. it just it, it just feeds the rest of them, you know. So that's why rituals for sleep are so important beforehand that are healthy, you know, that you're not just, you know, using your phone and going, going, going. And then all of a sudden right at the end, yep. you're like, okay, now I'm going to go sleep and turn the light out because your brain is still. Right. Um, Plus, this is how people lose sleep because what they say is, I'm guessing they tell you a lot, I get seven hours of sleep because I go to bed at 11. Well, the problem is. It's going to take you 40 minutes to get to sleep if you don't do it well. Right. And you didn't go to bed at 11. You started to go to bed at right. 11. And by the time you get dressed and get, you know, your teeth brushed and ready to go, right. it was 1140. Right. 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 You know, so people think I got seven hours. Well, you didn't. Right. You got like five and a half. Exactly. Yeah. If that. Yeah. If that. And that's just, you know, it, it, depending on if someone gets up to the bathroom or they have dogs or cats, in my case, <laughs> that wake them up all night. Yeah. Um, so back, I don't know if you remember this because I was I was a big Tetris player. Were you? I was. Yeah. I know it, it was. It wasn't long. It was a very short. It was like the game. I did Carandia, which is probably no one has a clue what that. No, is. I don't. Yeah. This is back when I was in my twenties, and then Tetris. Now the reason why I bring Tetris up is because it's a perfect example of someone saying I don't have anything that I think about, or having a, a, an example of that when you're doing something stimulating before you go to bed, right. like watching TV or doing something you know intense. Well, if you've ever played Tetris, it's really addictive. <laughs> it goes right to the it goes right to the dopamine center of the yep. brain where it's pleasurable because you're you have a, a success and right. accomplishment of clearing the board. You know, it's kind of like Candy Crush. Right. I have not played Candy Crush. I've seen people do it, and I see what it does, and it's similar. I'm, and I know. I'm like, oh, it's like Tetris. I'm staying yeah. away from that. <laughs> but when you would, when I would close my eyes, and all my friends when we would play, when I close my eyes to go to bed at night, if I had just been playing it for an hour or two, which yeah. is what I used to do. You're seeing blocks fall. Oh, my God. All I would see is blocks <laughs> fall and rotate. And I would be doing it in my head really? the whole time. And I, and, yeah. And I knew enough then, because I had been in psychology, you know, in my early 20s, going, Oh, I've got to stop playing <laughs> because I was taking yeah. my, no matter what my ritual was to go to bed, as soon as I closed my eyes, yep. the stimulating field, right, you know, in the dopamine center, in the, in the frontal lobe, the impulse control, all that stuff was very difficult to shut down. Yeah. And so I'd be, you know, I used to say, I'm dreaming about Tetris and like the plays. And I would imagine this is what it's like for, 
I, most kids and most adults and now are gamers that they do it right up to bedtime or, or don't go to bed and play right through. Right. It's very difficult to shut that off. So if you don't look at it like a video game and you're looking at it like just stress of daily life, like something's going on, when you're taking that to bed, it's doing right. the same thing. Right. And that's why I use the, the Tetris as such a visual example because whether you're playing Tetris and you have that field of vision that's dropping those blocks and clearing the board and it's feeling good, you're still doing the same thing yeah. when you're bringing the problem of the family into the into the sleep zone or you're bringing all those things. Now, those things don't go away, but you have to have a solid enough ritual to be able to put it down. Yeah. And and I, I well that they don't go away it. that they don't go away is a plus because that's that's the excuse to set it down right at a certain point in the night right like okay I can deal with this tomorrow there's nothing I can do tonight right I'm just gonna let it go right so just good mental exercise and so people get worried when you say let it go because it's like they're gonna forget so that's what I was no. just saying is that yeah. you know if you write it, keep a pad of paper next to your bed keep it right there you know right before you go to bed I call it thought dumping dump your thoughts um, on the piece of paper so that it feels relieving. It's cathartic. It lets, it's venting. It's letting it go. It's, oh my gosh, I have this great idea. Here it is. And people do that in their sleep. You know, they wake up and they have an idea. You know, good sleep sometimes generates amazing ideas. Same thing is having it right there so you can write it down. So you're not then anxiety driven to then have to stay awake or to keep it in your head because you have nowhere else to put it. It's just so logical. Just dump it out, get rid of it. That lets it go, and you can move forward and then go to sleep because something's holding the position for you. You're yeah. not having to hold on to it and try to store it. And oh my gosh, I'll forget the idea. You know, that's what I do on my runs. I wish I had a, paper, a pad of paper on my <laughs> runs. You know, I'm running along and I have like I'm doing this project that I'm working on in California, and and I'm having these like great thoughts, and I'm like no paper <laughs> I'm like I'm gonna lose it so I keep repeating it it's the same kind of thing but so repetition or yeah. putting it down on paper saying okay I, I'm not gonna forget that and yeah. you know inevitably when you don't write it down you forget it and then it will come up at these random times like when you're getting ready to go to sleep and then you start ruminating or, yep. or threat generating about it going oh no I don't remember what I was thinking about I pull out the phone and email myself it's hard when you're running uh, yeah I know but... <laughs> So you could stop for a second. I could, well, I <laughs> you know, if it's really that like important. I could a little voice memo to myself. I could say, okay, right? Yeah. All right, so yes. my thing is, and I think I inherited this from my mother because I remember her doing it yes. when I was young. I sleep in shifts. You know, I try to get, you know, I try to get seven a night, but don't can't always do it because, first of all, I start to get activated at 10 or 11 at night. Mm-hmm. You know, when I've finally accomplished that and setting everything down, and the noise floor is down, and I'm like, all right, this is good, and I want to keep doing this. You know, it's the only part of the day when I'm feeling okay. So I get, if I get six, I get five. Most days now I come home, take a nap. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm putting an hour in in the afternoon. You know, I've got to get it in a couple shifts. It's the way it just kind of works in my life. And does that, does that help you for your regular sleep at night? Yeah, I mean, I'm cautious about it. In other words, there's a certain point in the afternoon where I'm not going to sleep because it's going to screw me up right. at night. But well, I don't really have problems with it. Because yeah, it's, no. you know, we we know research-wise, you know, that you know, more than 20, 30 minutes of sleep in the middle of the day or or napping will yeah. definitely go towards messing up the sleep cycle. 
because you know people say oh i took a two-hour nap i'm like well there it goes your yeah evening sleep right you know? or people are like oh i love it well, i took a two-hour nap it. at six o'clock it's like no you can't do it that way right yeah. exactly or that you know you're sleeping like that so so well i'm fortunate i've got some power naps i've got some rigid boundaries in other words i've got to get up at 6 45 in the morning right. every morning so i've got that and that keeps me uh, regular in terms of the getting up time which is important because messing with the getting up time is what will screw you up right. quite often it, it, oh, sleeping until noon sleeping until 11 well, like, yeah. well, and it's so easy. I mean, I wouldn't know. I don't do that. Yeah. But I remember as a young person, younger person, I should yep. say. Um, but that's definitely, and that's one of the things here with, you know, COVID happening. I've, I've got a lot of people talking about how their their sleep pattern when they used to get up for work at seven right. yep. or six. And now they're getting up at nine and 10 because they don't have to be in the office until in, there is no office. So they just have to get the work done. So now they're sleeping later and later which is bouncing their bedtime back later, which is, you know, yep. it's it's all shifting. Teenagers, the same thing, you know. Ugh. I mean, it's kind of the standard thing. Teenagers sleep till 11. I have people, you know, that are sleeping till 2 and 3 and 4 in the afternoon. And, and then get up know, and take a Red are, Bull. Parents are home, but no one's <laughs> saying anything because, yeah. they're, because they're working and the kids are, you know, the teenagers sleeping. Yeah. Um, under the auspice that they're up doing something when they're not because they're they're all shifted as well yep. and then they're up till four in the morning and that it, so it's that's you know the the sign of the time for sleep right now is you know i keep saying to people go back to what you did don't change that pattern because it's going to come back and you're you're not going to be able to regain it easily it will eventually regain but it's not going to be easy it's a hard shift you're gonna be exhausted yeah and that's going to be a real struggle you know whether or not kids go back to school or not or college goes back to you know i know some are going back this week um whether that happens or not like right away people have to get back in that pattern of how you're going to make an eight o'clock class yeah if you're used to sleeping till two Right. <laughs> you know, that's going to be a rough freshman year. Yep. Um, you know, and, and I think people sort of at that age get it, but it's the younger, like kind of like the 12 to 16 year old that are kind of hanging. There's nothing yeah. else to do. There's no jobs for them right now, unless you're working like a market basket or some of the grocery stores, there's nothing else for them to do. So they're sleeping yep. and then gaming. Yep. And so, and yep. then adults are doing their thing. Like you just said, you yep. know, backing up their time and then yep. they're not getting up as soon and you talked about sleep aids which are you know can mess you up and right uh but there are also there's a whole stimulant culture out there too and you get your red bull and you get your coffee right and things like that and you can abuse you can abuse yourself into trouble with those quite sure. easily yeah absolutely well and people that do it at night so so my husband's notorious for drinking red bulls like not every day but you know once or twice a month and he's that person that caffeine doesn't really affect. He can have literally, with no exaggeration, six or seven Red Bulls at 10, 11 o'clock at night. Get out. I'm not kidding. No lie. Yeah. And still fall asleep. Wow. And he's, you know, I just look at him like, wow, I'd be having a heart attack after even <laughs> even a sip probably. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's people like that. And, and, you know, the stimulation piece there, I mean, certainly goes to certain chemistry of the brain, certain people, and so on and so forth. But but it um, diminishes your ability to um, generate that alertness yes. on your own, doesn't yes. it? Yes. Well, yeah, so it's a repl it's a replacer. It's stimulating. It's, it's, you know, stimulants are helpful for people with ADD. Stimulants are helpful for people that want to get that extra bump just because they're tired. But over time, they're just, they're just, they're a distractor that's not healthy for you, you know? Yeah. So it's, people don't realize that, um, some people do. I shouldn't say all people, but people by and large don't realize when they take 
a substance to help them stay up or sleep, and it's one of those chemically created things, it changes the chemistry of the body, which makes the body then become dependent, whether right. it's psychologically dependent or in cases like Seroquel, Ambien, Trazodone, it's highly addictive. So your body checks out of being able to do it on its own. Kind of like when you're smoking a cigarette, we have mm -hmm. receptors in the brain that produce the same, produce nicotine. Mm -hmm. So they're called nicotinic neurotransmitters, right? So oh, I didn't know, nicotine is something we produce? Yes, yes, we oh, have nicotinic receptors. Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. So what happens is, oh, this will be a good thing because this is, I'll, I'll teach What's you this. What's the purpose? What's the natural purpose of nicotine? So um, the nicotinic receptors help with, you know, um, keeping your cravings down for food, keeping your sort of your dopamine in check, you know, your pleasure center regulator with yep. your GABA for your anxiety. Um, so they, they're in there to produce the ability to kind of hold the hypothalamus, which is your, oh. your regulator for food, thirst temperature, all those things, so, kind of craving-based. So let me guess. You quit smoking. You have no ability to generate the nicotine. You start eating your brains up. Good job. Yeah. Yay! Yeah. That was very good. So <laughs> yeah. that's what I was going to say. Yeah. So that's what. Ha so it's a perfect example of like what happens with sleep, but we'll use the nicotinic receptor. Yeah. So You've when bypassed your natural process so long, it no longer functions as well. Exactly. Yeah. So we produce, so, so for people that want to catch up to what you're saying, because you just got it, that was awesome, is that we produce nicotine, nicotinic receptors. We do a natural level of it. When you start smoking, it stops the process essentially from happening. Not completely, but it does. It makes yep. it so that we don't have to produce it. When you abruptly stop, which is why people cold turkey turn into crazy people and eat tons <laughs> and become yep. angry, bitter, homicidal people, yeah. um, it's because the nicotine receptors are screaming, oh my God, oh my God, <laughs> oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Yep. And so... Um, it's really hard to get it back into regulation because it's your body fighting to get its own ability to come back. And when you, when you smoke a cigarette or you vape or you're doing whatever with your nicotine, there's so much more being produced for you on it outside of you than your own self right. that your body becomes so highly dependent on it that when you go back to your natural, you're just, you, it's so unusual for you to have to like regulate your own eating pattern, yeah. you know, your own temperature pattern, you know, cause it, Look at every look at all the things that happen. You'll hear people. I when I quit, I was sweating, I was thirsty, yep. I was hungry all the time. Right, because the hypothalamus, that little space where the nicotine receptors help manage, yep. it's so out of whack. So it becomes highly dependent on that. So you know when people say I'm quitting smoking by putting on a nicotine patch, I cringe. Although it's <laughs> helpful as you do the step yeah. down you're still doing nicotine. It's still the same thing. I'm much more of the mind of just cutting back the cigarettes over time or the vaping over time than, than doing that because you're trying to you know, go away from the pattern of the behavior, habituating of the, yep. of the hand to mouth and having the nicotine drop as you go. Um, certainly you can do it with the drop down of the patches, but the thing is, is that you're still dependent on the process so yeah. much. So there's something good for it because you're not doing the hand-to-mouth anymore with the patch. Right. Um, you know, there's certainly Chantix is the other medication that you can use now. I don't know if you've heard of that, but that's... No. Well, I mean, I've heard of it, but I don't... So Chantix is the medication that they came out with that actually helps you stop smoking. You smoke on it for the first week or two. You can smoke on it. And then after that, you just stop. And it, and it basically helps re-regulate the nicotinic receptors. It stabilizes it so that you're not having the craving. Mm -hmm. um, and the downside to Chantix, because I'll bring it always. back to sleep, They're is that there's, people have incredibly dark, bizarre, I call them death dreams. Really? The dreaming process and the darkness that comes when you sleep 
sometimes is really intense for some people. So what, what people are the mechanics do really behind well, that? And then they don't because they're like, I'm off this because it's yeah. so intense because it gets the neurotransmitters in the brain going super fast. And that, and that, that mechanism produces dark dreams. The mechanism of chantix within the within the neuroreceptors that it's working on to help stop the use of nicotine wow. produces dark dreams, Cra crazy dreams, wow. stressful. So usually when people report their dreams, they're usually um, either dying, you know, something about skeletons, something about someone getting hurt, somebody get them hurting somebody when it's totally out of their character. So when they, and they'll, if you listen to the um, because the neuroreceptors are just burning off stimulus, just burning off. Um, well, response. <laughs> there's a couple of theories about yeah. it. Um, I think it's probably just because it's the right, it's the regulation of the hypothalamus, and it's really struggling. So yep. it's like you know, if we go into the unconscious mind, it's all the, it's all the struggles in the mind of like what you're fighting off all the time, right. like you know the 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 evil, evil, you know the dark unhealthy stuff, and it yep. just manifests how it does, um, you know. Other research, the research would say that it's, you know, it's a combination of the different neurotransmitters just, you know, firing off of each other because they're trying to fight for space. You know, right. they're trying to fight for their space in the brain to get back to normal. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know. It, I just it, love how it brings up specific yeah, things. It consistently yeah. does it. And that's one of the warnings that, you know, you may have unusual unusual if they say oh, unusual is, dreams is that the wording that got approved Over the 20 unusual, years I've, yeah. or 15 16 years i've been watching people use chantix they don't use unusual it's always dark terrible scary <laughs> death wow that, uh, that's not that doesn't sound like fun at all yeah and it's not everybody yeah. so i don't yeah. want to scare people because it works great i've had many clients who've used it and beautifully and come off of it and had mm -hmm. no issue but there is that one piece, and it does change the sleep cycle. So, you know, it, there's, you know, going back to the beginning of the show, we were talking yep. about, you know, here's a problem with smoking, and you're trying to get good sleep. <laughs> then you're taking this medication for the symptom to help you stop, and then you're creating another one because you're like, I can't sleep because every time I close my eyes, ah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> right? So it, it's, it's one of those things. And also, so going to the same thing about that is when you take the Chantix medication, if you haven't eaten... Now, here's where it goes directly to the hypothalamus again, yep. the regulator for food. It makes you really nauseous. So you, I always say you got to make sure you eat because not only do you have sleep issues, but you have mm. to eat or else you'll get really nauseous because the hypothalamus immediately goes into, oh, I'm not supposed to be doing anything to have to do with craving. So now I'm going to reject and yep. you know throw up. Okay. Wow. So it's <laughs> sounds like a lot of fun. I know, right? <laughs> so 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 this is what I'm saying though about like how important it is to know about what medications doing right. that you take. People just blindly say, "Okay, I'll take it," and don't realize that it's not just doing the one mechanism of action. It's doing right. multiple things that impact you on many different levels, and it changes your psychology. People, you know, people who out there poo poo like oh, mental health and psychology and yeah. Know, well, guess what? It's happening to you all the time. Every time you eat something, every time you take something, every time you drink something, when you breathe certain things, you know, it's changing it all the time. And, and people just take it for granted, thinking, like, that's that. That's yeah. something that's over there. It's got a stigma. It's actually, like, well, that's actually how you function for the yeah. most part. It's how you make good decisions, bad decisions, unhealthy things. Like, Well, the mind is about balancing everything yes. and regulating right. what's going on in your body. So you introduce uh, external elements to it. Right. Uh, you flood it. You fire hose it. You right. know, with one element or you deny it another element. Exactly. And it just, you're just fighting the body. So. Exactly. Yeah. 
Well, and that, and I think that the hypothalamus, you know, getting technical here, the, is such a great regulator in the body that you know you don't have to know the technical stuff like I'm talking about. But it is a, it's your on-off switch for a lot of stuff that goes on in your whole life. Mm -hmm. It's your, it's physically regulating you, but it's also emotionally regulating you. I mean, there's other systems in there that work together with it, but it's it's like a light switch. The way I describe it when I teach it in class. Um, to my graduate program is, you know, it's like turning it on, turning it off. Your body knows how to do it on its own. But when you start adding in those externals, now your sleep cycle, you know, yep. you put in video games, now your sleep cycle, now the hypothalamus knows to stay on five extra hours versus turning off. Yep. Or no, so this is, you know, all in that process. And it's not just this kind of straightforward thing that's out here. Like I'm watching TV. I stayed up too late. I'm tired. There is a huge process that's going on that if you get it re, if you get it re-networked into a pattern that's really unhealthy for you, whether it's eating, sleeping, yep. not exercising, all those things. Well, it's now you're, now you're, you've manually turned it off and on. And now to get the body to do what it does normally. Right. Mm, that's a, that's yeah, a because you're forcing it out of its pattern, so it says, "Okay, well, you need me. You need me to do this, so I'm going to do this." Let me ask the chicken or the egg argument yeah. about emotion and emotion and uh, physiological response. Okay. Does the body regulate based on emotion, or does emotion happen as a result of the body regulating? Both. Both. Yeah, I figured that was the answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so you have to have so if something. So an attempt to regulate will give you an emotional response that may not be connected to whatever your stimulus is you want to why do, why do i feel this way when this happens what's your body trying to regulate so so there's so we're hardwired with with a with a nervous system piece that's very specific for regulating body to mind connection mm -hmm. and for everyone that really wants to know it's called the polyvagal nerve so the polyvagal nerve in the body regulates the emotional response to physiological and the physiological to emotional so if you hit your toe yep right it sends a signal i'm going to make this really basic it sends a signal through the polyvagal system like oh you know that, oh my god right to the parietal lobe which is your sensory lobe in your brain you have four of them four lobes and one of them is the parietal and that's all your senses yeah so to, so it, but it sends it through that to make a physical reaction that you know you've stubbed your toe it hurts now yep. you got the physical and the polyvagal then regulates by saying i'm you know, you either laugh, you cry, you know, you hit your funny bone and you go, oh, yeah. you know, you laugh, you cry, whichever. It's because it's regulating through that system your emotional association to that pain receptor in that part of the brain. So, for instance, if you um, if To you try to keep you capable of dealing with it. You what? To try to keep you capable of dealing with yes, the issue. It's a, so it's a regulator. Yeah. It's helping you regulate between the emotional and the physiological. So if you actually, let's go to the, the emotional. Um, if you if you all of a sudden something tragic happens and you start to cry and there's no physical actual thing right and you start to cry your your polyvagal nerve will regulate you know to have some physiological reaction you may get sick to your stomach you may have tingling in your hands and feet you may start to sweat it's because it's sending the one that's regulated by your body it's different for everyone that will happen for you um you know if if I always think of it as the easiest way to explain that system for that question that you asked is um, holidays. Holidays are an emotional associator for people. Yeah. When you smell, like you could do it now. If I said, think of the smell that is in your house at Christmas time. Yep. Is it apple pie, cinnamon, pine, whatever? As soon as you have that, even if you don't have the ability to conjure it up and you're in the middle of summer and you walk into a store and it has pine needles or something, it will immediately regulate the polyvagal nerve to send a signal to your body to have a 
emotional, physical reaction. Right. Um, and that's how trauma works. That's how not trauma, like it's how yep. they talk to each other all the time. So it's a matter of an emotion and a physical thing will have a connection together because you've made an association yep. for memory for them to connect together. If you haven't made that association through that, that's how they connect together, mm -hmm. th through that nervous system piece that allows them to talk together. This can be schemed too, right? Yes, you know, yes. You physically smile, right? and it's gonna change your emotional. Exactly, uh, yeah. and, that's, and that's how you change the neural patterns in the brain is you know, when, you know, when you talk about cognitive behavioral therapy. So when, when you see the commercials for Noom, you know, the N-O-O-M, the one that they yep. talk about on TV for weight loss, um, it's not something newfangled and, and, and shocking, you know. It's about taking that neural pattern through thinking. Thinking then changes a feeling. The feeling then will change the behavior. The behavior right. automatically comes. We've talked about this, I think, weeks ago, is that, yep. you know, when you have some type of feeling come up in your body, there's a thought generated. When you have a thought come up in your mind, a feeling's generated. The behavior will change based on how you then modify or adjust the thought because it's regulating that polyvagal nerve to go, oh, I'm okay. I'm yep. not really hungry. You know, going through like the halt, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Yep. That's always regulating that talking point between the two systems. Yep. And understand, having an awareness of this whole process and understanding that what your, your emotions are often the result of a bunch of mental and physical processes right. that the brain is going putting you through to do its job, keep you alive, right. and keep you in good shape right. it, to its way of thinking. Right. And once you understand that separation, that you understand that this thought process is happening, that's not you. It's the difference between being angry. You know, I am angry and I feel angry. I, right, exactly. And, and this is the basic war, right? Exactly. Finding out that you, you're not the brain, you're not these processes. It's an organ doing something. It's like when you're... Hold your breath and your lungs want air. It's the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's why when people say, uh, you know, I, I can't control my anger. Right. <laughs> yeah. I can't control my sleep. Yes, you can. Yep. But it's it's going through this process in a much, you know, more in-depth. Yeah, I feel what I feel, right? I, can, right? I can't help what I feel. Well, yeah, you absolutely can. Right. And, and, yeah. and, and, and you know, it's, you know, people get... I think sometimes offended when you say, yes, you can control that as if somehow they're deficited. No, it's just that most people don't know how because right. they don't understand that they're talking, that the pieces are talking to each other. And we are in fight or flight, which is the survival, not survival mode when you think of that. So that your body, your mind and your body are always making decisions on a moment by moment, even micro moment basis of survive, not survive yeah. to make it so that, you know, you're going to be okay. Um, yeah. Well, so often it's stress, the basic one. The mind is throwing stress at you for a reason. It right. thinks you need to respond to something. Right. It's not always right. Right, exactly. Right? So the ability to call out the stressors that you really need to pay attention to right. as opposed to ones you don't, right. that's a key skill. Exactly. You know, and that's the key skill that people are, are missing yeah. much of the time when they get into doing work with me is that that's the skill that has been lacking because it's out of their awareness. Right. It's, you know, people are very much on that kind of surface level, not saying people are surface, but the surface level is what people deal with instead of looking yep. at you have to go deeper and then what and then what and yeah. then what to get to the depth of the core piece of I'm really what is nervous. really driving yeah. that issue. I'm really nervous. What are you nervous about? Right. 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 What's what's going to happen? Right. Yeah. And then you vet that thought process because, you know, the mind, that's its job to keep right. you keep you its survival and regulation. 
Right, and it's in the mind. The mind works to protect itself. The defense mechanisms. The the you know we rationalize, justify, personalize, um, catastrophize. Those are all ways of making sure that we protect ourselves. And it's not just our brain. It, just think about catastrophizing when we take something or awfulize something. You know, oh, yeah. threat generate. Yeah, we're we're doing that as a way to play out all the what ifs, so that we make sure that we're prepared for the hurt, the rejection, the sadness, the whatever it is that's coming potentially our way. Or to keep and, you from that buzzsaw. Right. Which may not exist. Exist. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So when you when you put it in the context of sleep, right, coming yeah. back around, it, those are all the things that protect your brain. Like if you're going to try to sleep and it's 11 yeah. and you don't fall asleep till 1230 because your brain is now in that mode of doing exactly what we yeah. were just talking about. You've it's, let the brain off the leash. Yes. It's out running free right now. And, <laughs> right. It has yeah. no containment field. And right. It's running amok. And, and when you ask someone, well, what are you thinking about? They say nothing. No, it's because they're thinking about everything and it's hard to really put pinpoint down one or two things but that's super important because then it gives you back a sense of control when you go to sleep about being able to distract yourself by soothing and saying it's out of it's it doesn't need to be in my control it's okay people who say nothing an important thing for me and it was a shower thing and it was a sleep thing that was a troubling time for me for a long time Mm -hmm. between going to bed and the light goes off and actually going to sleep right troubling time right for me one of the big skills was labeling what yep. was going on and and taking note of what was going on not swimming in it right but it's like and it's 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 almost comical yeah the, the things that come up in your head when you yeah. have no other stimulus it's yeah. like i haven't thought of that person in years what you know what was that all about you know right. and then you realize what the dialogue of the mind is you realize how scattered it can be at times exactly yeah and it and it is it's, and that's and that's why i say you know, I get a, I get a chuckle in a, you know, not in a mean spirited way with people when they say it, because I know what's coming when right. they, they're going to say nothing. Nothing. Yeah. And, and I'm prepared because I've heard it in 24 years so many times yeah. of nothing is coming. <laughs> and little, I know there's lots there. That little place there between um, awake and asleep. Yeah. The, that few, whatever it is, seconds or minutes, you, you kind of lose track of time. Right. But I've snapped out of it at times, just laugh my ass off because yeah. what the hell was I thinking of? Yeah. It, why was I thinking of that? Oh, right. That made absolutely no sense and what was in my head at the totally moment. It's totally ridiculous yeah. or it's so silly or, yeah. yeah, it's a waste of time or whatever. So, all right. So, so the tip yeah. for today mm-hmm. would be try to be, you know, again, basic baby steps. Try to be aware if you're having trouble sleeping. Yep. You know, take an inventory of how aware you are yep. of what's really going on around that, you know, 30 minutes before you go to sleep. And then what happens when you try to go to sleep, just to get an idea for yourself of what's really going on. You know, not, don't be at your surface level, go a little bit deeper to go. What's, what am I, what am I doing that's contributing to this problem? Yeah. Routine, consistency, atmosphere right. is important too. And right. I, I know it's tough for people, which is why I don't have time for that. I don't have time to sleep. That's probably the yeah. response you get more yeah. often. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I get that, you know, there's, you know, or I'll, you know, I only got five hours. I'll catch up. There is yeah. no catch up on sleep. Right. Yeah. People think that, oh, I'll, I'll bank it. Oh, on the weekends I'll the, sleep right, in and no I'll be banking. fine. And so, no, it's not, that actually makes it worse. Well, it's like weekend warriors for exercise. People don't exercise all week and then go out and do 25 miles on a Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> and then wonder why their hips hurt. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. the same thing. You know, you can't you can't bank you can't bank exercise. You can't bank um, sleep. No, nope. doesn't work like that. So, all right. So have a great week. Yep. We're getting ready to wrap up. If you want to see get some sleep, get some sleep. <laughs> Come exactly. see us get next good week. Sleep, healthy sleep. If you want to see prior episodes, please go to all the amazing podcast spots that there are in the world. Yes. Google, Spotify, Spotify Apple Podcasts, Apple. Google Podcasts, right. several others. 
Exactly. Or you can go right to my website, GameFaceConsulting.com. Um, if you need to contact me, you can certainly contact me through any of those ways, which people have been doing, and I appreciate that very, mm -hmm. very much. Um, and uh, I will see you all next week. See you next week.